These, I think you would agree with me, are strange and unprecedented times as we continue with social distance and as I speak in an empty room. So many things have changed in the last few weeks and we hear about face masks, we see face masks, we've been wearing face masks and it's become part of our daily routine. I wanted to show you a picture actually of the Collins family here in their car from just this past week. There are also some very creative face masks out there. If you want any fresh ideas, we have some creative ideas for you. Here is one that I'm going to call the coconut face mask for all you coconut lovers. Just a thought if you want to get creative. And then we have the snorkel mask, which is really a real fashion statement with the snorkel there. And for those that are budget-minded, we have the plastic bag mask. And then we have another version of the plastic bag mask. This next one that I want to show you, I have called the ice cube mask because of its square appearance there. And finally, and perhaps my favorite, is the navel orange mask. I think you can actually pick one up from Amazon or you can even create your own. Well, I think you'd agree with me that we are living in times that are absolutely uncharted territory. And it feels like we're moving into the days ahead here without a sense of a roadmap, a GPS. We're just sort of going off into the unknown. And we have so many questions. Questions like, what are we gonna, when are we ever going to move past this? Are people ever going to get their jobs back? When are people going to be able to open their businesses? When are we going to be able to stretch our government stimulus checks as far as we can? This really is not the first time in history or the first time in biblical history where people have faced the unknown without a GPS to guide us. As we begin this series on Into the Unknown, there are so many stories in Scripture that we're going to be unpacking here where people have faced the unknown. And today what we're going to do is we're going to read a Scripture about a man named Jairus and Jairus' 12-year-old daughter and Jesus and a woman who had an issue of blood and who was sick. But here Jairus' daughter is sick and is about to die. So we're actually going to look at a story within a story because we have a woman who's been bleeding for many years who is healed by Jesus. And so we're going to start one story, hit the pause button, start the story, end the story, and then we're going to circle back and finish the original story. So this is a real life day in the life of Jesus. And what has happened is that 12 years ago, he had this incredibly beautiful daughter that Jairus and his wife had. And you can imagine his parents, they're pouring everything into their child, every resource into their life. And I have no doubt that she was worth it. But 12 years ago, a different woman begins to bleed. And she spends every dime of her money on doctors, wasting all of her money. And this is a woman who's been ostracized from the community because of the Levitical law and there was a social distancing even then and self-quarantine that she was out to do for like 12 years. And she's forbidden from touching anyone else because she's ceremonial, unclean. So basically, she's a walking curse here. Everywhere she sits becomes unclean. Well, back to Jairus here. And imagine if you're Jairus and your innocent daughter's life now is hanging in the balance. She's blessed him and his wife for 12 years. 12 years of just filling their hearts with joy. And you can imagine coming to this place where now she needs, he needs, she needs to have their child healed. 
And after 12 years, there's this other woman who's marginalized, who's living on the fringes of society. And she is the last person you would expect any holy man like Jesus to want to risk meeting, much less healing. And suddenly what happens here is these two stories, they collide and they converge upon one another. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin reading in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21. And here's what it says, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It says, when Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And so this crowd is gathering because Jesus was unbelievable in his power to heal the sick. So many people have been healed of their diseases. And so everyone is crowding around the master. Jesus could actually cure the incurable. It would really be the equivalent today of a physician that could cure COVID-19. Jesus had the cure. So he's drawing these enormous crowds here. Well, there's this leader of a synagogue, Jairus, who was respected. And so when he saw Jesus, he falls at his feet. And this is absolutely stunning here, what happened. I want to read to you from Mark chapter 5, verse 22. It says, Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now this was absolutely shocking. Because religious leaders did not fall at the feet of Jesus. That was something you would never do. See, He did not care, though. Jairus could care less what the religious establishment thought. And so the religious elite, they were not fans of Jesus. And so here's this respected religious leader who comes up and he just falls at the feet of Jesus. Picture that in your mind. And this is breathtaking to the people. This is stunning to them. And so their breath is being taken away and they're just watching with stunned silence as this respected religious leader is falling at the feet of Jesus. It says that he's a leader of the synagogue. So picture this, this man here who is liked and respected, and he is at the end of his rope. He is desperate here, and now he's facing the reality of this agonizing moment that's unfolding in his heart here. Now is Jairus' only daughter, 12 years old, and Jairus says that she's dying, and she is very, very ill. So here he is, he's begging Jesus. He's begging Jesus, come as quickly as you can. His daughter is barely hanging on. Today she's in the ICU. Today she's on life support. Today she's just barely breathing. And the doctors are calling up saying, say your last words. So imagine this scene as you as a parent, perhaps you have children, perhaps you have daughters or a precious daughter that is about to die at this, and every single moment counts. And there you are begging your guts out that somebody would just come and help your daughter. And not just anybody, but the only one that can actually bring hope, the only one that is, that is accessible, Jesus, and available to give himself his energy becomes available to this man, Jairus. And it's not easy for Jesus to get away from the crowds there. They're pressing in on him. But he gets away from them and begins to go to the house of this man, Jairus. And here's the creator. This is what God is like. The creator is walking with people. Jairus' heart at the same time is breaking. 
So Jairus desperately is begging Jesus, come Jesus, just come and lay your hands on my daughter. I want to read for you Mark chapter 5, verse 23. It says this, is it pleading fervently with him, my daughter is dying. And he said, please come and lay your hands on her so that she can live. Lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. So put yourself in Jairus' place when he says, please run, Jesus. She is at the point of death. What confidence that he has that Jairus had such faith in Jesus to say, come and touch her and she will live. Jairus is stepping into the unknown, the title of our message, into the unknown. What is the future of his family? What is the future of his daughter? Will she live? And this is such a powerful, powerful picture of faith here, as we read in Mark chapter 5, verse uh, 24. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. So here's all these people, and they're trying to all make their way to Jesus. And so there's a mob scene, mob mentality. All these people are just crushing in on Jesus. This also provides the opportunity for our second story to emerge, because there's a desperate woman who decides to violate all the social distancing rules because she is so desperate. 12 years she's lived with this issue of blood. She's desperate for the touch of Jesus. So the Bible says there in verse 25 that this woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. So there she is constantly hemorrhaging, weak, embarrassed, an outcast, ostracized, And she's got this opportunity, this window of opportunity to reach Jesus. And so it says in verse 26, she'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she'd gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten only worse. Verse 27, she'd heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. So she's thinking to herself, if she can only get to Jesus, in that day, the robes would have little tassels upon them. In the original language, she was gripping and holding on to those. And so when she's finding her way to Jesus, there's a, there's a in the original language, a, a, a grasping, a clutching of his robe. And it says this in verse 28. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe... I will be healed. What faith that she had in verse 29. And immediately the the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? So picture in your mind, here's Jesus and he stops and he knows that a miracle has happened. And imagine now that you're Jairus at that moment and your daughter's life is hanging in the balance and every single moment matters. And what does Jesus do? Jesus has the audacity to stop when your daughter's life is hanging in the balance. And if you're Jairus, you're probably thinking, why are you, Jesus, why are you asking such ridiculous questions here? Why are you turning around? Why are you wasting precious time on this woman who's already healed? Why are you talking to her? 
my daughter is dying. And there his disciples are saying to him, in verse 31, excuse me, verse uh, 30, Jesus realized, I'm sorry, verse 30, Jesus realized a healing power had gone out from him. Now he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? So there is Jesus wondering, actually knowing he touched his robe. And it says in verse 31, his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. So we see Jairus sweating and thinking to himself, come on, Jesus. Like, why all the small talk? Don't you know this is like emergency 911? And then Jesus steps into the moment. He stepped into the moment. I just want us to see that whatever your life is like, this is what God is like. God is a God who steps into our moments. And he ignores every other item that's on his to-do list. And here, on one hand, this poor woman, she had been ignored. She'd been disgraced. She'd been living with 12 years of discouragement. And she was lonely. And she was isolated. And I wonder if any of those words, especially in the past month, describe your life. Lonely. Isolated. Discouraged. This woman who had been lost in the crowd for 12 years. And now she still has faith. At least enough faith to reach out with one last, like, hopeful grasp. And she stops. And Jesus stops and risks everything to let her know that her faith has been seen. And I want you to see this because Jesus notices her condition like Jesus notices your condition. And see this about God. God validates her in a way that no one else dared to do or could do. And that's what God is like. And look here with me at verse 33. It says this. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Your suffering is over. Now, what a life-changing, powerful moment for that woman. This moment changed everything. What an incredible moment for her. But then for Jairus, what a terrible moment. While all of this, this was an important moment is being spoken by Jesus, that your faith has made you well, Jairus' friends arrive at his house and deliver the most heartbreaking, crushing news that his daughter has now died in verse 35. While he was speaking to her, Jesus speaking to this woman, the messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him words that no parent ever wants to hear, that your daughter is dead. Now think about that. Think about the emotions that Jairus is feeling. Think about when he was tracking and watching Jesus speak to the woman. Now Jairus' eyes are filled with tears. He is broken. But yet an outcast got healed. And while the outcast got healed, the innocent daughter is dying here. 
Jairus is crushed. And he hears the words that no parent ever wants to hear. And he looks toward this, this random woman that Jesus has healed. And he hears his friends say this, that there's no use troubling the teacher now. In other words, it's too late. Why bother him? Why waste the master's time? There's nothing that Jesus can do because she's dead. And now watch as Jesus looks Jairus in the eyes and says this. Says this in verse 36. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't fear, only believe. But Jesus would say these words. There's a glimmer of hope. And these are the first words of the story that death is not the end of the story. And the word says here when Jesus overheard, it's a word that actually means he ignored that. He disregarded that. What they said about the death of Jairus' daughter, Jesus just completely ignores and disregards. Now Jairus is shocked by the news that his daughter has died. And there he is, see him soaked in tears, soaked in snot. And and Jesus says, Jairus, you have two options. I really believe, friends, that these are the same two options that all of us have when we are facing the unknown. Jesus said you have two options. Option number one is this, is fear. Now, fear is where you trust in yourself, you trust in the economy, you trust in your job, You trust in what you can do or what you cannot do. And these are unsure foundations, friends, that just lead ultimately to fear. As long as you trust in this world, you ultimately will be led to places, seasons of fear. Well, Jesus said there's another option. And that was a call to faith, to trust in him. But think about what an audacious option that this point is, there is Jairus' daughter now who is dead. Jesus is the one who let Jairus down. Can you imagine your child is dead because Jesus didn't get there in time? Because Jesus is having a conversation with this woman and healing this woman who had an issue of blood, this outcast, this ostracized woman. And now Jesus has the audacity to say this. Oh, Jairus, don't fear. Only believe. Have faith. I think Jairus would be like, are you kidding me, Jesus? You're the healer, and you didn't heal my daughter. And my daughter lies lies dead. Now, I'm supposed to trust in you and have faith in you. You're kidding me. And at this point, Jesus had never raised the dead. So it was unthinkable. It was unimaginable that Jesus would actually raise the dead. So option number two when facing the unknown is this, is trusting Jesus. And I would invite you to uh, agree with me that all of us are facing the unknown. So perhaps it's a time to trust in Jesus like never before. So what about us? How easy is it to trust in our jobs in the familiar, in the known, in the economy, in our good health, and our, our trusting in ourselves. And I think Jesus would say to us this morning the exact same words that he said to Jairus. 
which was only believe. Jesus is saying to us, I want you to believe in me. And when you trust in Jesus, this totally changes everything for everybody for all time. So how about this? How about our view of the future? How about our view of the future of the COVID-19 crisis? The COVID-19 crisis has been described as a war. You've heard that in the media, as a battle against the virus. And of course, everybody wants to win the battle. Everybody wants to defeat the virus here, defeat the disease. So we talk about things like COVID-19 virus survivors. And here are the people here in the media that have faced COVID-19 and lived through it. And of course, we appreciate, we applaud, and we love what that means. But we think that if we get COVID-19 and you live, then you win, then the, you've won the battle, then the implication is the other side of winning over the virus is that if you die, then you lose and you've lost the battle. Well, I want to invite you to rethink this. I want to invite you to rethink and redefine the win and the loss with the coronavirus. Because what if this? What if, God forbid, but what if you live through COVID-19 and you're still not trusting in Jesus? Have you really won anything at all if you define a win that way? In fact, I would say that COVID-19 has won and you and I have lost if we beat COVID, but you are losing because you are all the more convinced that whatever you face, you can do it all on your own. So friends, that is not a win. That is a loss that can ultimately lead to an eternal loss. Do you want to know what the win is? Can we redefine the win? I would say that the win is knowing, yes, we're in a battle, Yes, we have to live through it. And yes, many will die from it. But in the end, here's the win when you know this. There's only one God who ultimately created us. There's only one physician who ultimately can heal us. There's only one ruler who's defeated sin. There's only one king who has conquered death. And friends... His name is Jesus, and he has your back. And knowing that is the win. See, when you know him, and your hope is not in all the statistics and all the projections out there, but your hope is in his loving provision. Your hope is in him. Friends, if you know Jesus, you know that, or you find yourself alone. And imagine this, say this evening, you find yourself alone and you find yourself in a hospital and you're struggling to breathe and you have no reason, okay, you would have no reason to fear and you know why? Because you would know the one that's conquered death. You know the one who has your back. And so I ask you, wherever you are, sitting there in your living room or on your, on your phone, I ask you this, do you know today that if you were to die, that you would absolutely go to heaven. Because we only have two options, 
fear or believe, trust in Jesus. I know many of you, you're a different place in your spiritual journey. Some of you have grown up in church. Some of you left church. Some of you, you don't even know what to think about church. But what I'm saying is this, is that you don't want to wait till later to decide about Jesus, to believe in him, because you can wait. What can happen is your heart can get hard. And sometimes there are opportunities which those opportunities don't really repeat themselves again and again because of your season of life. So I would say to some of you, you just don't know that this could be your last opportunity. One time I shared with a roommate of mine and I said, this could be your last opportunity. Well, he died that night. He died that night. And I told him, this could be your last opportunity. And do you think that five minutes into eternity, you're going to be glad for anything that kept you from Jesus? So in just a moment, what I'm going to do is this. I want to make an invitation. And friends, this invitation is for everybody. And so perhaps you didn't grow up in church. You didn't even know what to think about church. Perhaps this is even your very first time to watch a church service. Maybe somebody invited you. You're at a Facebook party. Or maybe you don't really even know how to relate to church because in the past you feel like what you did and you feel far from God. Perhaps because of your past or even your present, you feel far from God. Well, I'm going to extend you an invitation. I'm going to extend you an invitation that even if you don't feel close and maybe some point in your life, you would like to come closer to God. You'd like to say yes to him. You'd like to believe. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your present. doesn't matter your past. doesn't matter your personality doesn't matter what political affiliation you have, your age, your ethnicity. None of that matters. This is an invitation, friends. In a few moments, wherever you're at, wherever you're sitting here, I'm going to ask you to either begin a relationship with Christ or renew a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to make that decision right now. Before I ask you, I want to ask you a question, okay? As if you and I were having a one-on-one personal conversation. The reality is this, is that we're all surrounded by the virus and its effects. And it's hitting closer and closer. And that's why we're holed up in our homes and watching church on social media. We're all being reminded every day how vulnerable we are and how frail we are and how frail our lives really are. And I want to ask you, if you and I were having this one-on-one conversation right now, and I was to ask you this question, do you know for certain, are you 100% sure that if you contracted the coronavirus tonight and you had difficulty breathing and they rushed you to the hospital, to the emergency room. And there you're admitted and they put you on the ventilator and you're feeling like you may just lose your life. Okay, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven for all eternity or do you have doubts? I can't think of a more important question to answer than that question. And God says there's only one way to know. And the only way to know that you're going to go to heaven when you die is that for those 
that would receive the invitation of Christ, who feel far from God because of your past or your present. Okay, let me invite you. Let me invite you to pray with me and see yourself before God. And you can know for certain that if you were to die, if you were to die, that you would go to heaven. And so I want to ask you to perhaps just in your heart, close your eyes, just put yourself in a posture to pray with me and to ask Christ in your heart and to know that you would go to heaven if you died. Would you pray with me? And dear God, I bring my life before you and I thank you that Jesus died for me. And I bring my whole life before you. And I take Christ as my Savior who died for my sins in my place that I could be right with God. This day, I take you as my Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, if you prayed that prayer, then Jesus Christ will come into your life. And we have some materials that we would like to send you, uh, a gospel of Mark, and so you can begin the journey, the spiritual journey, and you can begin to grow. And I would like to ask you, as we close out our time together, to put your hands in a, in a posture, your empty hands in a posture before God, and signifying that you're bringing your hands before God so that He can fill them. Would you do that now? So Father, see your children. I pray that you would give them the capacity to believe in you, to have audacious faith in you, no matter what circumstance that they are facing. I pray your hand upon them. I pray that you watch over them, that you strengthen them, that you encourage them, that they would know that you are a God who walks with them, that would leave the crowd to be available and with them. Father, I pray that you would uh, cause your grace to be real to them. I pray that your mercies would be every morning. I pray that when they call upon you, you would hear their voice and they would know that you hear them. I pray that you would do this and that you would do more in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you and have a great week and see you next time.